Hi there and welcome to Doxadeo Bloemfontein North. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the message. This morning we are going to think about what we think about. We're going to think deeply about what we think about. Okay, so if you're ready for that, um, in Romans 12, uh, chapter, oh, chapter 12, verse 2, is a well-known verse. So this is one of those verses all of us know. Um, it says the following, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. The New Living Translation says, Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person, How does God transform you into a new person? By changing the way that you think. So uh, there's another uh, uh, verse in uh, Proverbs 23, verse 7. In the New King James Version, it says it as follows. It says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Now, this is the thing. Any person, regardless or not whether you're a disciple of Jesus or not, the way that you think is the way that you are. In, in many ways, the, the place where you reside is in your thoughts. I mean, all of us live externally in the same world, but all of our worlds actually look different because all of us are, in a sense, living in our own minds with our own thoughts. The way you experience the world is very much formed inside of your own body or your head. I mean, just yesterday, uh, I was watching the rugby, and we we're all experiencing the same external reality, right? And uh, my internal reality was one of great joy. Okay, I was really enjoying it. I mean, that was it's a great vibe. I don't know who of you were there yesterday. Anyone? I mean, I really, I, I really, uh, it's been a while since I actually danced at an event like that. I mean, there was a proper DJ. I mean, there was like club music playing and my, my two boys and I, myself were there with my parents. And I mean, we were dancing. They're really playing like cool songs. It was a fun, fun time. But not far from us, there was a guy sitting with a pink shirt supporting the Pumas. Now, although we were part of the same party, external reality was the same. His, his reality was vastly different to mine. <laughs> he was not dancing as we did, right? Because in his thinking, we were not winning. We were losing, <laughs> And your thoughts really determines the way that you are or how you experience the world around you. Now, how humans work is that we also make sense of the world through stories. The way that we understand the world is actually through the way of of narrative or stories. It's the stories that we tell ourselves or it's the stories that we believe. And the stories we believe are actually made up out of truths and also lies. Even the lies that you believe about yourself and about the world are still true for you. They are your reality. You live inside of those stories. Now, if you go to a psychologist, the way I understand it, uh, but you can go ask Pierre Nell, he preached last week. You can ask him uh, you know, if, if this is true, if it works that way. But the way I understand psychology is also when you go sit in that chair, they ask you, so Abel, tell me about growing up. Tell me your story. And they want to dig into your story to understand who you are, but more than that, who you believe you are and how you interpret. What's the story that you are telling yourself? And the way they want to try and help you then 
is asking, well, in this story of yours, is there truths and lies that need to be rewritten or reframed? And they help you to change the story or rewrite a bit of your story because that helps the way that you then behave. Do I understand? That's like cognitive behavioral psychology, right? Or cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, what they're busy doing. Change the way you think because the way that you think is the way that you are, as that verse in Proverbs actually says. And so, so we, we address it there. Now, discipleship actually works the same way. The way that Jesus makes you more like him is by changing the way that you perceive the world. You start seeing the world through God's perspective. You start seeing the world through love of people, through God's eyes, but also the way that nature works and everything. You start seeing it according to the eyes of God. So it's the change uh, in your mindset and the way that you think then changes the way that you are and the way that you approach the world. So if you change the story that you believe in your mind, you change the emotions and then the behavior of your life. So Craig Rochelle says the following. He says, our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. So quickly think about it. What was your strongest thought this week? If you are a person that maybe struggles with anxiety or you've got a big concern, maybe financial challenges in your life or you've got uh, one of your children is ill, um, whatever that thing is that happening is happening in your life, your strongest thought in many ways, you are reacting toward that. The way that you live is, is in, uh, oftentimes it's a reaction toward my strongest thoughts. The thing my mind is consumed by, I'm reacting toward that. So if it's financial press, pressure, I'm reacting by hustling, you know, like trying to do things or trying to take control of the situation, whatever the case might be. So we always go in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And so the question we want to actually ask today, is there a way that you can be deliberate about your strongest thoughts in order to change the direction of your life? So we'll get into that. So let me ask you this question. What are you allowing to shape your mind or your thinking? Your thinking is informing the way that you live. The question I'm asking is, what are you allowing to inform the way that you think? Because just as your mind, the way your thoughts are informing the way that you live, we have to ask the question about what is informing the way that I think. Because in essence, that thing is then informing the way that I live. And so maybe a simple question would be, if I want to ask the question on is it helpful or not, is maybe spending hours on social media, being sucked into that uh, like marketing and seeing images of how other young mothers get everything perfectly right to discipline their children and everything is together and I'm struggling to get my life together. Is, is that exposing myself to that information the whole time good for me? Or if I'm struggling with sexual temptation, even if you are over the age of 16 and you can watch a 16-rated movie for sex and nudity, is it helping you if you are allowing that, those images to inform your mindset, because it will inform also your thoughts. And so the question is, what are you allowing to inform your mind? Um, another way to maybe see it is quickly imagine a door. Imagine your mind and there is a door. The point I want to get to is that we get to decide what we open the door to and what we close the door to. 
we get to decide what informs our mind, and whatever informs our mind will then inform our lives. So that's sort of like the gateway or the door. And so my question is to you, what are you opening the door to in terms of allowing you to, or allowing information to flow into your head? And what are you closing the door to? Are you deliberate about that? Do you ever ask that question? I think for many of us, when it comes to thoughts, we oftentimes feel like we're just a victim of it. So, so we are passive in it, is that these thoughts are just running away. But you can actually be active and deliberate when it comes to your thinking. But it's not in the way that we, we sometimes think of, like, I just must change my thinking. It's not that easy to change your thinking, right? It's like trying to tell yourself, just stop worrying. It's not going to happen. But you can be deliberate in terms of your thoughts by allowing certain things to come in and allowing certain things to not come in. That's the place where we can actually be deliberate. So my point is that thinking does not only come from within. So although thinking is an exercise that happens inside of your body or inside of your head, thinking does not, your thoughts don't only come from within. They don't originate only there. They actually come from without. It's the information around us that informs the way that we think. I mean, just to quickly give you a quick example, um, if you walk around in the shops a lot, you will become aware of the fact that your clothes is old and you need new clothes. If you look at new cars the whole time on your phone or you go drive around to where the car shops are and you look at new cars the whole time, you'll start feeling that your car is very old because you are surrounding yourself with a set of information that will then start informing the way that you think also. And you can draw that line through many other things. Let me ask you another question. Does the information that you allow into your mind affect your thinking and ultimately your behavior, or at least how you feel? So the answer is obviously yes. And uh, I want to quickly just tell you about something interesting that I heard about and then just quickly read about this week. And it's called mirror neurons. Have you ever heard about mirror neurons? So spiel neurona, <laughs> if that is even a word in Afrikaans. Mirror neurons, it's a, it's a, it's a system or a set of neurons in your, in your head that basically mirrors what you see. So for example, you know if someone walks past you and they just smile and they're happy, it's difficult not to also start smiling if you see someone's like really happy. Or if you see someone really just cracking themselves, laughing, it's like you, you get a smile on your face. Or if someone is extremely sad in your presence, it's as if a bit of that emotion gets mirrored in you also. What if someone comes into your presence and they're like agitated or angry and aggressive? It impacts the way that you feel also. What if someone stubs their toe? like they really hurt their toe, like you, you get that feeling. <laughs> or if you see maybe on TV or someone just eat something that is truly disgusting, it's like your own stomach just churns, right? You're like, oh, you experience it. And so what they say is basically what we observe, there's something of mirroring happening on the inside. And the reason why God designed our brains like that, that is they reckon that this is where language interpretation comes from. The reason why you can understand my thinking right now through the words I'm speaking, through my body language, is because of your mirror neurons. 
um, there's something of a mirroring that allows you to sort of be inside of my, to understand how I feel. If someone else is sad, you see it on the outside, and so there's a mirroring that happens, and it also allows you then to have empathy because then you also feel their sadness. And so because of mirror neurons, we have the ability to, be, to have empathy toward others and also to interpret language. That's actually where uh, th that comes from. Now, my point here is that what you behold, what you allow in your presence will greatly affect how you are and live and think. So just in the same way as if you experience the people around you have got a great effect in terms of how you feel, in the same way, if you spend time with God, there's because of those mirror neurons, actually, there's actually a guy that wrote a whole book about how we pray, and because of those mirror neurons, and he reckons that's why he rubs off on us. If you behold God, you'll become like God. If you spend time in His presence, and because of the great joy inside of His heart, and the love inside of His heart, the peace inside of Him, it rubs off on you. It gets mirrored in your life also. And so my point is, what you behold is what you become. So usually when we speak about this topic, it's only about what you think is what you will become. So change what you think. And I'm like, okay, think differently. Think differently. Stop worrying. Don't be anxious. That's not going to work. If you understand that what you think is what you become, but your thinking is usually informed, not from within, but from without. So therefore, what I behold is what I will think, is what I will become. What you behold is what you become. And here's the good news about all of what I'm saying now. This is the good news. You are not a victim of what you behold. You can choose what you behold and what you don't behold. You are not just a victim of your thoughts. Now, when I say this, uh, if you really, truly are struggling with anxiety, I don't want you to leave here thinking, you know, that's really just a shallow, like, oh, well, you don't understand. Like, I, I, I really understand that there's a lot of depth to that, and it's not as simple as just getting rid of, you know, stop worrying by just spending more time with Jesus. Uh, understand that, but just understand the truth that over time, if you keep on, you know, in this, that if I behold not the rubbish around me, copying the world around me, but if I behold God, something of who He is will be mirrored in my thoughts and then in the way that I live. I was thinking about actually testing the mirror neurons because I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, laugh th therapy is also based on the science. Not only on this, but laugh therapy is also like, you know, if you fake laugh, they say your body cannot distinguish whether it's fake laugh or real laugh. So those happy hormones that gets released or fired when, when, when you laugh, whether you fake laugh or real laugh, same thing, you're going to feel better. So, but it's also... Uh, I, I was at this laugh therapy exercise. I was working for the University of the Free State at one time. We had this workshop, and so everyone around you starts fake laughing until you really start laughing. And so because you're mirroring the people around you, so I thought that would have been fun or very awkward. <laughs> Look at the person next to you and say, ha, 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 ha. Okay. <laughs> And there we go. There's some real laughter happening, right? If, if, I, if I really wanted to keep at it, I, I reckon I would have gotten us there, like all the way there. But let's not go there, okay. Now that everyone's awake. 
So here's the question. Do you have any control over the information that you take in? Now, we can be active with this. You can decide what social media you expose yourself to. You decide what you follow and what you don't follow, what you block. Or you can decide, I mean, no one is forcing you to keep Facebook or Instagram on your phone. You can delete it. You can close the door if you feel this is not good for me. It's not making me more like Jesus. You can decide how often you walk around in the shops, how often you look at new cars. Uh, you can decide also what books you read. You decide what you watch on Netflix, whether it's helpful or not. You decide whether you have to have Netflix or not. We are not a victim in these things. We get to decide. We get to curate the information inflow in our lives. We're not passive in this. We are actually active. Sometimes just not aware, but we get to curate that. And as we curate that, we get to decide what we will become like. So if you have in your heart that I want to be like Jesus, my suggestion to you is curate the information intake in your life toward the person of Jesus. Because what you take in is what you will think, and that is who you will become. Now, 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4 to 5, let's read some scripture. It says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And here it speaks not about knowing about God. It speaks about knowing experientially. So it's our relationship with God. And then it says the following, and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Now, this verse I've heard many times before, to take every thought captive and to make it obedient to Christ. Now, that sounds amazing, but again, it's like saying, okay, I worry. Now I'm going to take that worry thought. Worry, I'm going to take you captive. I'm going to write on my mirror, don't worry. Will that work? You don't have the ability to just capture your thoughts like that and just switch them off. That's not going to happen. So what this verse actually means, I believe, is two things. is take every thought captive to obey Christ, or to bring it to obedience to Christ, is two things. Firstly, is when, if it's anxiety or worry, whatever, you fill in the blank for yourself. Whatever those thoughts are, even if it's lustful temptation, whatever those thoughts are, is when you have that thought, don't try and ignore it, because that won't work. You can't capture it by yourself. Don't try to ignore it, but recognize it in prayer. It's like, I've got this worry thing. I'm going to capture it, and I know I'm not strong enough to hold it, so I'm going to take it to my master, Jesus. And so I capture the thought, and I'm like, take it to Jesus, saying, Jesus, I worry. I know you say I shouldn't worry. You go read Matthew chapter 6 again, but... But still, Jesus, I worry. And you bring those thoughts to Jesus, whatever that might be. And so in prayer, whatever thoughts though, though, uh, that you have is to be deliberate, saying, I'm bringing this in prayer to Christ. And over time, you're allowing Christ. It's, it's like you are inviting Christ into your thought world. Whatever thought we have, saying, Christ, what do you think about this? Bring him into that world. The second thing that this also means is that if you, it actually, uh, uh, the Villiers explained to me the Greek translation of that last part, is actually saying that the, this idea of captivating your own mind, but with Christ. Is, is if, if you're, uh, it's like distraction, right? So there are these thoughts, but if you are so distracted 
with the person of Jesus. You are so captivated by Jesus, you don't have that much space for other thoughts and other kinds of thinking. And so it's that kind of, um, it's, it's a good kind of distraction saying, captivate your mind with Christ. Because in that way, you are actually arresting the thoughts that are not from Him. So let's just speak a bit further about this. Um, so Andrew Newberg, he, uh, the guy that actually wrote this uh, book on, I didn't read the book, someone just quoted it, and I like the quote, so I'm going to share that with you, but just this idea of how your brain functions in prayer. And so what he actually writes, and so this is, remember, we're speaking about this idea of beholding. What you behold is what you think, and what you think is who you are. So we get to decide, what do we behold? And he speaks about prayer, which is beholding God. He says, if you contemplate God long enough, Something surprising happens in the brain. Neural functioning begins to change. And so he's saying at a biological level, if you contemplate God long enough, your brain starts changing. What's happening? You are mirroring the mind of God, actually. Who He is is being reflected. And I know some of you are saying, listen, this brain science, you're taking it a bit far now. So we're gonna, I'm going to read you some scripture, and hopefully then you'll believe me. So, but, in, but the basic point here is, in other words, as we look at Jesus, we become more like Jesus. And it's the same thing with the people you surround yourself in this life also. You will become like the people you surround yourself. So, Philippians 2 verse 5. So, here's some scripture to back this, uh, a few scriptures. Philippians 2 verse 5 says, Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. I, I love this idea saying, the mind of Christ is available to you. You can have the mind of Christ. You know where the mind of Christ is found? Right here in the Bible. We get to know Christ. It's available to us. And if we behold it long enough, it will become our minds also. We'll start mirroring it and copying it. Verse, uh, or Philippians 2 verse 5 in the New Living Translation says, Think as Christ Jesus thought. And so that's where the start of your change is. If I get my, my thinking to be similar to Christ. Now, Philippians 2 is all about Jesus who set aside his divinity. Although he was equal to God, he did not consider him that. He came as a servant to serve and to love others. And so you see that kind of thinking of Jesus, that mindset? Copy that. If you have that kind of approach to the world and obedience to the Father in heaven, you'll start living like Jesus. And so Romans 12 verse 2, oh sorry, Colossians 3 verse 2 says the following, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. So it's saying, be deliberate on what you set your mind on. You're not passive in this. You are actually active and you can be deliberate. Romans 12 verse 2 says, uh, which we read in the beginning, New Living Translation puts it this way, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. So don't allow your brain to mirror what you see around yourself. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So instead of looking at the world around you and feeling discontent, the reason for discontentment is usually just because of what we look at. So I, I said this in the previous service also, so I know I'm a guy, I'm not supposed to confess anything about shopping, but... What I found about myself, if I walk around in the waterfront and I look at the shops and just all these nice clothes, the more I look at that, the more I become aware of how old my clothes are. 
And so there was a time where I actually decided that I'm going to spend less time in shopping malls because it's not good for me, that information. And there was a time when I was looking at new cars, and then I started feeling very discontent about my car. But now, if I spend less time in the shops, I feel more content with the clothes that I have. And I just realized the other day how ridiculous it is because my cupboard is so full. I can half it and still have more than enough clothes. And also, the less cars I look at, the more content I feel. But what I want to speak about is not only the negative side of what we close the door to, but also what we open the door to. The more time you spend in Scripture, the more you are challenged with the fact that your worth is not in the clothes that you wear or in the car that you drive. And the more I make this the predominant information that flows into my head, the more content I am in the love of God with what I have. Then I start counting all the wonderful blessings that I have, the fact that I've got a car, instead of being discontent. My friend, what are you allowing to dictate in your thoughts? What's the information that you are allowing in your mind? And so this is what um, Romans 8 verse 6 says, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. And so the point is there that you can govern, you can curate your mind. Philippians 4 verse 8, uh, finally brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Like meditate on those things. Think deeply on these things. Saying those good things, the information you allow to come in is what you will think and what you think is who you will be. And so with all that, I think I've made the point is that we can be active in fixing our thoughts. We decide what we look at, right? What we behold. And so with that in mind, um, how do I actively abide in Jesus? Because today I want to just make this very clear. The point of today is not to help you move from negative thoughts to positive thoughts, although that is very good and God cares about that. This is not a self-help talk. That's not the goal. This is a discipleship conversation. The point, and that's what Scripture tells us, is not to move from negative thinking to positive thinking. It's from looking at the world to looking at God. It's looking from, going from negative thinking to Jesus thinking. That's the point. You see, and following Jesus, you might even celebrate suffering. We are called to be disciples of Jesus. And if I say, I follow a man, his name is Jesus, it means I want to curate, be deliberate about my thinking by beholding him. Because it's my, my discipleship starts with my thinking. And it starts with beholding Him. So uh, John chapter 15 is a verse that we love in this church. We've actually put it on a little poster in the coffee shop. If you come into your right, you'll see John 15 there. It's this idea of abiding. So Jesus says, abide in me. If you want to bear fruit, if you want to be like me, stay close. And it's the picture of the, the wine dresser and the, um, and the vine and the branches. And, and it actually says, because of the word that I've spoken to you, you are already clean, verse 3 in John 15. So it's saying, you're already a child of God, but now that you are my disciples, stay close. Abide in me. 
And what I love about that word abide, you know, abide is the, the, the verb for abode or home. So it's the, the verb of home in me. So Jesus is saying, home in me. Homey. That's why, you know, you can, maybe don't call him that. I don't know. But he's saying, home in me. And this is very important. So the way that we sometimes think about our discipleship is we've got our careers and our family life and maybe social life and then church life. Very important. Jesus is saying, no, no, all of it. Like if, if this were to be Jesus, saying, find yourself inside of me. I'm on the outside of everything. What I'm thinking, abide in me. Be on the inside of me. The way that you think about your career, let that be informed by how you look at Jesus. The way you think about marriage, let it be informed by Jesus. The way you think about your family or social life, abide in me. I want to be in you and you in me. That's the call of discipleship. So how do we do that practically? So we say, okay, that's great. I don't want you to walk out here feeling like pumped up. Okay, let's go. Change my thinking. Practically, what does this mean for us? Verse 7 in John 15 gives us this brilliant verse, and um, then we'll wrap up. So it says, if you remain in me, and listen to this, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. And so here's the point, verse 7. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you. What is words? Words are the containers of thoughts. So as I'm speaking, I'm actually transferring thoughts by use of words. It's just a container of thoughts. And so if you allow the words of Jesus to abide in you, it's the thoughts of Jesus that's abiding in you. If you expose and open yourself and saying, I'm not looking at other things, I'm looking at Jesus more and more and more. The words of Jesus, in other words, the mind of Christ, the, the heart of God is rubbing off on me. And that will be mirrored in my thinking. And so the call of abiding is in the words of Jesus. And we have that. And so what this means is we can be deliberate about how much time we spend in the Word. What we cut out, what we say no to, and what we say yes to. And I'll give you three practical examples. The first one is maybe the habit of reading Scripture. Put that habit in place. Make sure you've got a habit of reading your Bible every day. 30 minutes in the morning, or maybe in the evening, I'd like to suggest a reading plan. Don't just do you version the verse of the day. I'm not saying it's evil. I'm just saying it's very limited. Learn how to read your Bible. Get yourself a Bible and read it. Get a, a reading plan that helps you to work through the Bible. Because then you're doing this every single day. It becomes, Jesus becomes your worldview. He becomes the, the glasses through which you look at the world by allowing Him to come and speak to you each and every day. So that's maybe a first habit to put in place. And if you're saying, well, I just don't get time, here's a good suggestion for you. Just get off social media. No Instagram, I'm pretty sure you're going to have time. If that's not good enough, leave Netflix also. 
It's not really doing that good anyways, is it? I'm not saying it's wrong and it's a sin. Don't hear what I'm not saying. If you still then don't have time after you've gotten all of those things, and you say, my work just keeps me that busy, well, then maybe you are too busy to be a disciple of Jesus because your work is keeping you too busy. So either work less and follow Jesus or just say, no, I don't have time because relationship does take time. I'm not speaking here about going to heaven or not. If your faith is in Jesus, you're a child of God. But if you want to follow Jesus, become more like Jesus, that, that his thinking becomes your thinking, which will become more of your behavior. If you want that, you have to set aside time, put a habit in place to read Scripture. And then secondly, another place to, to do more of this and make sure that it's there each and every week is what we're doing today. Make this a habit each week. Don't miss this for, you know, if not for a good reason. Because if, if you're learning something today, we do this every week. In our community groups, we take passages of Scripture, we meditate on the Word. So what does this mean to the way that we live? Make sure you surround yourself with a community that is also studying the Scripture. And something third, thirdly, what you can do is to read a good book. Maybe in that place where it's, it's something for myself and Karin. We've decided now that, yes, we, we, want to be, we want to curate the information we take in. And so we've decided to be deliberate on the books that we read. I'm not saying it's wrong to, you know, read storybooks and that, that, that's all great, but to just sometimes get more input in the information we allow to come in. Uh, Albert, you guys can maybe just quickly join me. Um, and I'll just maybe close off uh, with something practical. Uh, maybe we can all stand together. So, something I've done not long ago, um, and this is the question I want to quickly ask you this morning. So, here's the question. What is the lie that you believe? The biggest lie. So, if you think about your thoughts, which leads to your behavior, what do you think is the biggest lie that you are allowing to influence your life? That you have to close the door to? Or maybe just... In your thinking right now, what is the biggest lie that you are struggling with? Would it be anxiety or worry? And then my question is, is to find out what that lie is and then ask the question, what is the truth that stands in opposition to this? The truth of God. And whatever that truth is, go write that on your mirror. Not just, you know, don't believe the lie, but find out what is the truth and write that on your mirror. I recently did that very, like literally, um, not on a mirror, but on my wall. And so I used to be the guy that really thinks that, you know, scriptures on walls and written all over the house is quite, it's cheesy. It's, I felt it was quite corny. And then what I re realized about myself is that there's a lie that I believe. I believe that I have to work in order for the kingdom of God to expand to be working. And part of my personality makeup is that I kind of subconsciously believe that doing nothing is a greater sin than doing something wrong. Because at least you did something then. So, so for me, I would rather just be active and even if I, you know, mess it up a bit, than being passive. And what I realize, that's also a lie. That God is happy with me as I am. And so the truth to expel the lie was this verse that I put up uh, on my wall. Um, I think
think we've got a picture of that in my, in my office. And it, it says, be still and know that I'm God. It's a well-known verse. Every morning when I walk in, I see those words, be still. And I'm reminded of the fact that I'm not building this church. Even with my family, with everything, God says, I can be still. And so then I take a moment, and so I get it right, not every morning, but like three out of five mornings, I get it right to say, okay, for the next five minutes, I'm not going to do anything productive. I'm just going to sit. Remind myself that He's God. He makes the world go around. Put my trust in Him. I want to encourage you. If there's a lie, what is that lie? And what is the truth that needs to replace that lie? Won't you become deliberate about that? Let's pray together. Jesus, we want to be consumed by You. We want to be captivated by You, Jesus. We want to think about you. We want to have you all over in our lives. Every part of our thinking, God, we want to be drowned in you. God, may we be a church, a people that loves sitting under your word and in your word, Jesus. I thank you that you've spoken to us now. Come and change us, make us more like you, Jesus, by giving us your thinking. And thank you that you've given us your word. Thank you for this word, God. We ask more of you. Just as a, as a quick response, uh, in the song, um, you're going to sing, God, I look to you. So it's just a bit of a confession of faith, saying, God, whatever the, the lies that I'm believing, the thoughts I'm struggling with, saying, I look to you, Jesus. Let's do that together. Thank you for tuning in. If you would like to know more about us, you can visit our website or follow us on social media at Doxadeo Bloemfontein North. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. See you next time.